Thank you for listening to audio content from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. For more information or resources, visit us online at southcities.church. Pray one more time with me, Lord. Paul is praying for the church to know something unknowable, to experience something unknowable to our our human mind. So I pray, Lord, right now, do this text. Do it. (laughs) By your spirit, grant us deeper faith, deeper fellowship. Do this text among us as it comes to life for us. Be with your people now, I pray, in your word, by your spirit, to glorify your son Jesus and to make us happy and joyful and satisfied in him. We pray it all in his name. Amen. So we're getting to this, what I'd call kind of a pivot text in Ephesians. And I say pivot text because Paul has unpacked in chapters 1 to 3 all that God has done from eternity past and all that it's headed towards in eternity future for his church in this plan of redemption in Christ. So I'm just going to remind you of what's been said. I don't get tired of repeating these things that God has done for us in Christ. So what has he done? We've been chosen in Christ. We've been predestined to adoption as sons and daughters in Christ. We've been forgiven and redeemed by his lavish grace. We've been promised to be kept by the Holy Spirit, promised an eternal inheritance that's going to stretch into eternity Future. We've been made alive with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. He's drawn all peoples from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. He's going to draw them by his blood. And he's given us peace and access and boldness to God through Jesus Christ. He said that the church is going to show off his power and his wisdom in redemption to everyone everywhere and to the demonic forces of darkness. And he said, this is all by grace, not by works. And yet there are good works prepared for us to walk in, right? So in chapters four to six, Paul is going to be unpacking how the church can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, not, not walk to be saved, not earn their salvation, but from the glorious salvation they've received by grace, walk in new life and new obedience, and new peace, and new unity, and new love together as the body of Christ. And so Paul pauses here and does what we should do when we have these big things in front of us that we want to walk in. What does he do? He prays. He prays, and he prays because he knows the church is going to need help. Because it's not like in this redemption and in this salvation, all of a sudden, all of your temptations have gone away. Right? Anyone when they came to Christ knows that the temptation, some of them still remain and cling more closely than we wish they did. It's not like Satan's just going to give up and say, oh well, I don't have to worry about them anymore. They'll still be tempted, this church, to find their identity and their purpose and their sense of belonging and hope in places outside of their fellowship with Jesus. We all did that this week. We're all tempted to find our our identity and our hope and our belonging and our joy in places outside of fellowship with Jesus. And so Paul prays. And what does he pray for? 
I think a way to say it would be he prays for power. Prays for power for this church. And we could say, what does he pray for power for? Like, what does he want us to have power to do? And I think the answer, and it might surprise us, is that we would be able to fellowship with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in such a real, full way that we experience beyond our intellectual comprehension the love of God for us in Christ. In other words, God's saying through Paul, I want to work all my power towards this church. Say, why, God? What, what are they going to do? What, what's the next step? And he'd say, so that they know how much I love them. That's what I'm going to work all my power for, that they know how much I love them, knowing they are deeply and fully loved by the God of the universe. And so I just ask you, before we start, and this isn't like a, a guilty question, right? That'd be the opposite of what Paul wants for us. Do you know that today? Do you know today, not just in your mind, but are you having this experience bigger than your mind, bigger than your intellect, that you're fully known by the God of the universe? All the brokenness, all the sin, all the busted up things that you do all the time and fully loved by the God of the universe. And if your answer is yes, I'm feeling that, praise God. Let's go deeper today. And if your answer is no, I'm not feeling that. I feel far away. I don't feel loved. Then it's an invitation in from Paul in the word of God to say, but you are. (laughs) But you really, really are. So let's dive in here. Paul is praying to the Father for the church and all these things. In verses 14 to 15, he gets back to his prayer that he stopped in verse 1. And he prays to the Father over all things, those in heaven on earth, the one who is over every tribe and tongue and people and language and nation, those over all the good forces and all the the bad forces. He rules over all. And because of who Paul is praying to, he prays with this, you can feel it, this expectation, this earnestness, because he knows God's big enough. And it says he bows his knees and just a sign of humility and worship in obedience and surrender, like, I can't do this, but you can. He gets on his knees, right? He's just finished saying the church has boldness and access, and now we get to see what that looks like. Like, what does it mean to have boldness and access to the Father as a church? It looks like praying how Paul prays here, going to God with requests this big. And so what does he pray for? Look at me with me first in verses 16 to 17 strengthened by the spirit to fellowship with Christ. Here's what it says. Paul prays for the church that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you being rooted and grounded in love. So when Paul uses the word riches in Ephesians, He uses it a few different times, but what he's trying to do is find a a human word to describe the inexhaustibleness of various aspects of God. So he talks about riches of grace, just overflowing, inexhaustible grace twice in Ephesians. He talks about the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He talks about the riches of God's inheritance in the saints. He talks about riches of mercy. So he's trying to say, There's a lot of it. (laughs) There's too much for me to talk about. There's too much for me to describe. But just know there's a lot of it. 
And so then he talks about his glory, riches of glory. What is God's glory? Well, I think the most simple definition of God's glory is his holiness, who he is, or his character on display for the world to see. In other words, Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his what? His glory, right? It doesn't say with his holiness. It says with his glory. And so I think a definition of glory is the character, who God is in his, in his creation and redemption on display in the world. And so we put those together. Paul is praying according to the never-ending, never-running-out, never-lessening, never-weakening character and work of God on behalf of the church. It's a big prayer. He's starting out with big guns here and saying, I'm, I'm going after something really big from this really big God. Kids, let me put it this way. Have you ever seen a waterfall? Waterfalls are like one of my favorite things in the world. So maybe you've been to Minnehaha Falls, and you've seen the water just running over and over and over the edge. Hopefully you didn't go when it was like a dry season and it was just trickling over the edge. But sometimes waterfalls are really running and they're going over the edge. And I went to Ecuador once and I had this experience where we, we went a couple miles through the jungle to get to this big opening. And there was a waterfall, I think, like seven or eight times the size of Minnehaha Falls. And so our coach said, because this guide had informed him to tell us to do this, Hey, tell your players to get as close as you can. And so we all, right, college athletes, thought too much of ourselves and our athletic ability. So we're like, okay, contest. Who can get the closest? And this thing was running and running and running with such power that I kid you not, one of our biggest, strongest guys got like as close as he could and went flying back <laughs> on his back and skidding across this dirt because of the, the power of this thing. And it just kept going, never weakening. Right? It had just been rainy season there, so never weakening, always running. And Paul is saying, that's a little picture of what God's like. He just keeps overflowing with power and help for his people. And so the question is, how do we get access to this power? How do we get access to this power? And then what's the power for, right? Because we want it. <laughs> we need this help. How do we get it? And then what, do we, what is it actually for? Is it for something like a mighty political or social movement? No, is it like what the religious leaders were hoping for when Jesus came and hoping that Rome would be overthrown so they could get control? Is that, is that what the, the power is for? Like, he's going to show up and we're going to take over. No, here's what he says. He says, we get power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being and we get it for fellowship with Jesus. We get power through his Holy Spirit in our inner being. It seems like a small place, just in here somewhere. And we get it to fellowship with Jesus. And so let me ask you, is that what you want most? Is that what you want most? Is that what you think the church needs most, the world needs most? Does that seem awesome? Holy Spirit in here, fellowship with Jesus for me? Or does it seem kind of underwhelming, like that's it? Like, that's all the power is for? And I'm not talking about what you would say to your friends. I'm talking about how you actually feel about life. <laughs> like, what you think is most important. Does that seem amazing? Or just kind of ho-hum? How we feel about this reality says a lot about where our hope and our peace are situated right now. But let's look at it, right? The, the Holy Spirit. 
right? The third person of the Trinity, fully God. He's the helper sent to make his home in us until we have our home with him, with God forever. That's what John 14 says. Or John 16 says, he's the one who reminds us and glorifies Christ. So here's what I think Paul is saying in essence. He's saying, Father, do a new, fresh strengthening of your spirit in your people such that they would abide with Christ in their souls. They fellowship with the the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, in their souls. Give them your spirit in such a way that they know and enjoy and are overwhelmed with sweet communion with Jesus Christ. How does he do that? Well, it says through faith. I think that means the Holy Spirit helps us believe and trust and cling. It says through faith. So listen to John 16, 14, and it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, he will glorify me, for he's going to take what is mine, this is Jesus talking, and declare it to you. Jesus even says earlier, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit comes. Right? That's a, that's a crazy statement, right? It, Jesus is saying, listen, trust me. I know, I know you like me here. It's better that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That's a wild statement for Jesus to say, except this is true. Right? The Spirit dwells in us and declares to us all that's true about Christ, builds our trust in all that is true about him. He's the third person of the Trinity, so he is so fully God that the Scripture puts it like, this is Christ dwelling in us. So he's praying for fresh filling, fresh power, fresh understanding, powerful, fresh fellowship with Jesus. Why is he praying for that? Why is he praying for that? Right before he's going to go into, here's all the ways to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's praying for that because he knows that despite the amazingness of the gospel, those who are familiar with it get too familiar with it. (laughs) They forget how good and how rich it is. If you've ever known or practiced something for a while, One of the dangers is that it gets old or stale and you just start going through the motions. Like in the beginning when you learn a new hobby or a new thing and you give yourself to it, right? There's this, all this exuberance and all this joy and you're getting so much better and it's so fun. And then all of a sudden you reach a wall and you're like, I'm just kind of doing the same thing, right? And and you don't just stay the same, you regress. (laughs) You take steps backwards, And there's not as much power or effectiveness or joy or eagerness. And that's the danger here. The Ephesians know what is true. They know they have the Holy Spirit. They know what Christ has done. But Paul is pleading for the Spirit to come and saying, make it known in their hearts again. Make them know Christ again in such fullness that they believe and fellowship more deeply with him. Why does he want that? Well, this prayer just kind of keeps going deeper and deeper. He wants them to be rooted and grounded in love. He wants the church, he wants you to have roots that go deep in Jesus Christ, to have a foundation that is firm in Jesus Christ. That's the picture here, a solid foundation for a house that can't be blown over. Roots that go deep, that produce fruitful plants in Jesus Christ. Paul just said at the end of the chapter, 
that the church is the holy temple, the household of God, right? And he wants his house to have a firm foundation in Christ. He said at the end that it would grow and he wants roots to go deep so that it can grow big. And so that's the beginning of Paul's prayer. New strength by the work of the Holy Spirit to fellowship with Christ in deeper and fuller ways so as to feel a firm foundation in deep rootedness in his love for the church and the individuals in the church. Do you feel, do you feel deep fellowship with Jesus? Are you experiencing deep fellowship with Jesus? Are you running hard after friendship with Jesus? Do you hear his promises and all he's done and say, yes, I'm his, he's mine? Or has it grown a little ho-hum for you? Right, that's okay, right? This, again, this is not a condemnation, this is an invitation. Does it make you feel firmly placed with deep roots in the gospel? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? Paul wants more for us today. Point number two, strengthen to know the fullness of his unknowable love. So if you're not experiencing this, we should pray for it because it's what we need to keep experiencing what Paul says Next, Paul wants that reality, that deep rootedness and groundedness and fellowship with Christ. He wants it to lead them to go even further up and further into God's love. Listen to verses 18 to 19. Paul says, all that so that they may have strength. Again, notice the empowering. And what does he want strength for? This is crazy. This is crazy. They may have strength by the Holy Spirit to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a wild prayer, isn't it? To, to know what surpasses knowledge, to be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we love the word of God. We love our Sunday school classes. We love truth on fire. We love worship. We think you should read your Bible and go deeper and deeper in knowledge. Paul is without a doubt here asking for something that transcends attending a Sunday school. It transcends listening to a sermon or reading a good theology book and gaining some more intellectual knowledge. Now listen, you can't get what Paul wants you to get without knowing God more deeply in your head. Right? You, you can't get it. We've got to know who he is, his character and his goodness and his truth and his beauty. And if you don't know that, you can't experience this, but it's more than that. Why do I say that? I say it because Paul prays that from that never-ending never weakening power of God supplied to us in the Holy Spirit to create fellowship with Jesus, rooting and grounding as he prays from all that, that we'd have strength to know something that surpasses knowledge. I want them to know something they can't know. <laughs> understand something they can't understand. What he means is on their own. <laughs> I want you to help them know it by your spirit. I want you to help them understand it by your spirit because they can't know it on their own with just their own little human minds that need to be enlightened and enlivened by your spirit. Or more literally, to know the surpasses knowledge love of Christ. <laughs> to know the surpasses knowledge. Or let's do it in, a, in an updated version. To know the blows your mind because it's too big for your mind love of Christ. 
To know them makes your mind explode because it's too big for your mind, love of Christ. To know the what, what is too big to fill your little mind, love of Christ, right? Like all, whatever you want to put on, like we just can't get it. It's too big, it's too much. And he says, but I want him to know it. So what does that mean? He says, I want him to know the dimensions, right? He's just he's grasping for words here, right? I want him to know the breadth, the length, the, the height, the depth, the fullness of it, the vastness of it, how deep it's anchored, how far it goes. He's trying to get words here, right? He's just trying, like, God, help them know all of it, every dimension, every nook and cranny that they can't know without your help. So what does he, what does he mean to know it more than you know it? Here's the best example I could come up with to help us get it. So kids, your parents and grandparents and your friends often probably say, I love you, right? They tell you they love you. And you know it in your head. <laughs> like, oh, they love me. That's good. It's good that they love me. But every once in a while, there are these moments where you just feel it in a new special way, right? Maybe they tell you in kind of a new way or you have an experience together or maybe you're just hurting and they just get you in a big hug and they say, I love you. It's going to be okay. Right? Or they, they show you they care about you by, by coming to something or spending time or a thoughtful gift. And something happens inside of you. It does, right? You don't just go, well, now the intellectual conclusions I've come to from your provision, right? They, they make sense. Or you just go, they, they love me. <laughs> they love me. Right? And you're sure of it. And you know it. They, they love me. And that's kind of what Paul is praying for here, except this inexhaustible love, because God loves us infinitely more than we can ever even try to love each other. And that's what he's praying for. You know he loves you, but now know in a way so that your heart is bigger and better and sweeter than just knowing it in your head. So Paul wants the Holy Spirit to come again and have Christ be so sweet and what he's done for us be so real, and his friendship with us be so tangible, and his beauty to us be so appealing that you know more deeply the love of God for you in Christ. Like, when you read this, are you at all like I was this week? Like, I think I'm settling. <laughs> like, maybe this is why sometimes I'm bored in the Christian life, because I'm not going after this. I'm not asking him enough to make this known to me. I, I need to know this. This is undoes all sorts of weird stuff in my heart, all sorts of weird places I run to. I just like, this is enough. Do you feel it all when you read this? Like, I think I've been settling. There's more here that Paul is praying for. That's what it means, I think. Just be overwhelmed by that way, the best I can tell. That's what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. It means so, so full of the experience of God's love for us by the power of the Spirit to fellowship with Jesus that we're so full that just kind of pushes out other things that seek to fill that void inside of us. It means to be bursting with the love of Christ as you realize you're fully known in all of your brokenness and sin and sadness and foolishness and yet fully loved by the God of the universe. Like, do you really believe that he loves you today and he couldn't love you more? The God of the universe. <laughs> My prayer this week has been that when you hear while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, it hits your heart with fresh power about his mercy. 
I'm loved. That when you hear, I'm adopted, made alive, chosen from eternity past for eternity future to be with him forever. I'm redeemed by his blood. I'm kept by his spirit. That you would say, that's who I am. It would ring true in the deepest parts of you. That's what I'm made for. That's how I'm loved. That his love would free you from needing any other ultimate source of love or fulfillment or identity or purpose from any other place or person or achievement or failure. It's like, I'm loved. It's set free by his love. That his love would make you trust his power to bring his plan to completion more than you look to outside forces or politics or social movements or whatever to bring his plans to completion. Paul wants the Holy Spirit to do a new, fresh work of the love of God overwhelming the church from the inside out and overcoming you so that it frees you from needing anything else for satisfaction or hope or identity. And I just, I want this for me. (laughs) And I want this for you. And I really want this for us. Last point here. Strengthen for the glory of God in Christ and his church. Look at verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or can even think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The way Paul ends this prayer is, is like wildly encouraging to me. Paul has just asked for some pretty mind-blowing things here. Some really mind-blowing things. Things that are probably bigger than I could ask or even think. (laughs) And he's asking, right, for soul-filling, life-changing power to be known through the love of Christ. And the reason it's so encouraging is that he reminds us who he's praying to, how powerful he is, how intimately engaged with us he is, and how committed he is to his plan. So what do I mean? He reminds us who he's praying to, the almighty God of the whole universe. When Paul prays, When we pray, we have direct access to the one who made all things and holds all things together. Just want you to think about that. Just think about who you're talking to (laughs) when you pray. The reason I'm looking out on you, and as I keep looking out on you, you don't just disappear. (laughs) It's because God's holding all things together. That's who you're praying to. He's he's holding all things together. He created all things. He's holding all things together. He has all authority over all things. And he tells you, hey, come talk to me. You feel overwhelmed? (laughs) You feel like you need some help? You've got pretty good help. (laughs) The one who holds all things together. How powerful is he? He can do far more abundantly, not a little bit more, far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. He does more than we ask or think. Far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. So think about what's your biggest prayer request? What's the biggest thing? What's the biggest burden you have? What's your biggest hurt? What's the biggest thing you can think of to ask God in your mind? He can do far more than what you can even think. That's who you're praying to. He's unlimited in his ability 
and the waterfall of love keeps flowing over to us, right? We all, even when we love someone, we're just limited, right? We're finite. We only have so much time, only so much energy, only so much resources, only so much you name it, right? And we run and we wear ourselves out. God is not like that. He's got all the time, all the energy, all the resources. He can help all of us and do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think for all of us because it's inexhaustible. How engaged is he with us? Right? He works his power, it says here, in us. Right? How is he going to get glory in Christ in the church for all generations? He's going to get glory by the power at work in us, <laughs> within us. That's crazy. He works his power in us. He dwells in us. He sent his son to us. And now the spirit dwells in us to help us trust and empower our fellowship with Jesus. He's pretty engaged with us. He's pretty committed. And how committed is he to this big plan? Well, he says his glory for the work he does in his people will be seen and praised in Jesus and in the church for how long? What does it say at the end? How long will that happen for? Say it. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> All generations. How long is that in case you were wondering? Read the next phrase. Forever and ever, right? Just to make sure you get it. Like, this is just going to keep happening. All generations, in case you wonder what that meant, forever, in case you want to know what that meant, and ever, right? Paul's just saying, like, this is just going to keep happening. This is how he's going to keep working. He's working so that one day his people will be in his place to enjoy his presence forever and ever. He's working for the good of his people and the glory of his name for all generations, forever and ever. And he's doing that by working his power in us. I hope that's encouraging to you. Do you want to experience fellowship, rootedness, love? Don't you want that? Of course you do. And Paul says he can do it. So this week as I'm praying, I'm going, I think I've been settling. I, 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 I think I, I want more. I think I want more of him. Sometimes I can get to that place. I don't know if I'm like you, but then I can just go, but what's going to change? Is this really going to happen? What's that really going to look like? And here, Paul is just saying, he can do it. He can do it in us. He will do it in us. So just imagine with me this happening in the various areas of life. Just imagine these things we've just talked about. Paul's prayed them, but now imagine they happen. right? Because that's the goal of prayer, right? The goal of prayer isn't just pray. The goal of prayer is like, these things please happen. We want these to, to happen. No one just want to save you. We want you to do them. So what would it look like? Can you imagine a Sunday morning worship service where God was answering this prayer at South City's Church? I hope he has a lot of Sundays. But can you just imagine it? The holy awe mixed with the passionate joy. <laughs> Humble before him like Paul and yet exuberant, just basking in his love for us as a people. What would that look like on a Sunday morning or as we leave this place? Can you imagine your workplace or your neighborhood and what might change if you asked for this and walked around filled with the fullness of God? Would that make a difference if you walked around filled with the fullness of God on your teams, in your workplaces, at your co-ops, right, at your schools? Can you imagine the rest and the peace and the calm and the joy you might exude that make the other people around you wonder who you belong to or what's going on. Right? We, 
I was talking to someone recently. I was like, man, it used to be hard to do like Christian apologetics. You had to know a lot of things about the dinosaurs, right, that only Rick and Bruce know really anymore. But now, now you just have to be nice and at peace and like work hard and listen well. Like the the bar is so much lower. (laughs) What would it look like to be filled with the fullness of God? How might our families and friendships change if we were in deep fellowships, roots going down really deep, bursting with the fullness of God's love for us in Christ? What new, sacrificial, self-giving love might compel us to move towards the hard thing in our family and with our friendships and seek to forgive or seek to repent and be forgiven? Right? Isn't one of the reasons we don't repent, if we're just really honest, is that it's embarrassing and we feel insecure? <laughs> if you're secure in this love, aren't you just freed up to say, hey, I was wrong. <laughs> Will you forgive me? Or free to forgive if you've been holding on to this bitterness? What bitterness might, away, might melt away if we know this love? Like we've just all got stuff in us that still bothers us and things that bother us. And yet if we know this, won't it just kind of like take its proper place and importance and melt away? What forgiveness might we be eager to extend as we comprehend his mercy towards us? What sin might be left behind to dive deeper into this love? Like, I just can't, I can't hold on to this thing anymore because I want more of this. What lust might die in the tidal wave of God's acceptance and satisfaction? He's so much better than that thing I want to look at or that link I want to click on. I just want to stay in this love. I don't want to go there. What anger might fizzle out as you realize God's wrath has been completely appeased for you? Right? Just the, this, like, what does it look like to live in this love? To just let it wash over and undo things in us? What sins and lies might be confessed if you felt safe in God's love? What impatience and frustration might subside a bit as you realize the patience of God's love for you in a fresh way? What sadness or loneliness might be helped by this love? What unrest and anxiety might be pushed out a bit as you're filled with his fullness? I don't know, but I think a lot would happen. Right? I think a lot would happen. What might God do with our time and resources if we were convinced of this love? What other things might seem less worthy of our time and money and how we might redirect our dollars to help others taste this love with us? How would it change the things we invest in with our time? How would it fill us up to send us out and make us bold because we have nothing to lose because we're loved like this? And just overflow that others might be set free by this same love. What might God do in these South Cities and all the way to the nations like we talked about last week if this were the case? It's a people freshly filled with the fullness of God. What might overflow from that fullness? As the waterfall keeps flowing into us, what rivers of the Holy Spirit might flow out of us? So let's ask you again. Do you feel deep trust in Jesus? Do you feel deep fellowship with Jesus? Do you feel full experience of Christ as Lord, Savior, friend, abiding presence? Do you feel like you're seeing a bit more of the height, depth, length, and breadth 
And maybe the most important question, do you believe God can do this and more? That he wants to do this and more for you right now in this moment? I think he does. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> it's been filled up all week like, what's he going to do? <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do, but I just want you to believe with me that this love, we could get it. Just undo all the broken stuff in here so that we could live in such a free way that the world would know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. The world would know we're his disciples because we love him. We love our neighbors. We make disciples of all peoples. They'd know it because we'd just be so deeply settled and rooted and just, oh, right? We're just here. It's okay. We can chill out because God's with us. Chill out and then go crazy for the sake of his name, right? So let me pray with us. Lord, we need you to do this by your Holy Spirit. I need you to do it in me. Lord, right now, by your Spirit, grant deeper faith, deeper fellowship with Jesus. Lord, deeper knowledge of the breadth and height and width and length. Fill us with your fullness. Lord, overwhelm us. Push other things out. Lord, so that by the power at work within us, we would be another place throughout the generations that would give you glory. Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. That's what we want. We want to be settled in your love and living out of your love for the, the good of others to see your love and taste it, that your name would be praised here and there and everywhere. So God, help us now taste it. Lord, we're going to come now and eat and drink and fellowship with Jesus. So as we do that, Lord, would it be fresh? Would it be fresh expectation, fresh hope, fresh surrender, fresh laying down of sins, fresh prayers for more, fresh joy, fresh security, fresh comfort, fresh faith, fresh Hope, Lord, just do it in this people right now by your spirit. Would there not be anyone here listening to my voice that, that hears this and is unaffected or unchanged? Lord, by your spirit, go after us as a people and as individuals right now, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.